There'll be nothing up on the wall at all during the whole time I'm speaking. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 5. If you've got your device, open it up, switch it on, find the NIV version of Matthew chapter 4. Oh, sorry, Mark chapter 5. <laughs> so I'm starting at verse 21 and reading through to verse 42. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Thank you, honey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this tale that is told of a man by the name of Jairus. We thank you that there is so much truth 
that we find in this story. And we pray, Father, that as we look into it, we pray, Lord, that you will teach us lessons. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's start out with a question. How do you respond when things turn to custard? What do you do when the unexpected is announced? There are many of us here who have sat at the bedside of one that we love who is dying. Long hours of waiting. Emotions in check, right? I invite you to come along to come alongside Jairus and his wife at their home. His daughter lies in the next room. Family and friends have gathered, visitors come, visitors go. The funeral director is there, his professional musicians and his professional mourners, they have prepared themselves for their performance and they're itching to get started. And everybody waits for the girl in the room next door to die. In a moment of silence, Jairus recalls those stories. He's heard about a man named Jesus, the one everybody seems to be talking about. The story he recalls is of the government official from Capernaum, which is not too far up the road from where this tiny fishing village in which Jairus lives. He went visiting went doing business in Cana. And he discovered that Jesus was there. So he asked him to go to Capernaum with him and heal his dying son. Now you will find this story in John's Gospel, chapter 4, starting at verse 46. After some discussion, Jesus told him to go home because his son will live. The man believed Jesus and headed home. On the way, he meets a couple of his servants who excitedly tell him that his son is well, that he's up and about, that he's enjoying life. And then when they compare notes, he discovers that that's exactly the time that Jesus was talking to him. And he believed. He went home and his entire family believed in Jesus. Oh, how Jairus wished he could go find Jesus. But it's too late now. His daughter is too close to death. And anyway, where is Jesus when you want him? But then he recalls the story he'd heard just recently about the widow's son, about the body in a box being carried to a cemetery. You can read about it in Luke chapter 7. And Jesus just happened to be passing by. He knew that the deceased was the widow's only son, so he walked up to the coffin and touched it and says, Young man, I tell you, get up. And the young man sat up and started talking. And the bearers of the coffin almost dropped it in surprise. 
and everybody rejoiced. Do you know that the whole village was out there attending that funeral? No wonder Jairus heard about it because the news spread all around the countryside. Jairus smiled just for a moment. What joy there must have been for his, for this mother and son when they were reunited. But then the realisation that they were both sons, not daughters. In the world in which he lived, sons were way more important than daughters. And anyway, would Jesus really be interested in a girl? And everybody waits for his daughter to die. A servant approaches Jairus. There's an official from the synagogue out on the street and he wants to talk to you. So somewhat reluctantly, Jairus picks himself up. He thought he had told them not to bring synagogue matters to him today. But duty calls and he moves out onto the street. I thought you might like to know, says the official. Jesus is by the lake. Suddenly Jairus is gone. He's running down the street. He doesn't care what people think. Yes, he might be leader of the synagogue, but he's on his way to see Jesus. He um, pulls up his gown that he's wearing and he runs. He turns from his street into the main road that leads down to the lake. And he sees the crowd and he knows there's absolutely no way that this crowd is going to stand aside for him. So he skirts round the outside of the crowd. He has to jump into the lake. He has to wade knee deep. Too bad about the sandals, too bad about the garment getting wet. He climbs the bank and stands before Jesus and falls to his knees. And he pleads to Jesus. He says, my daughter is dying. Won't you come and place your hands on her that she might live? If you're following the story in Scripture, you'll find it in Mark chapter 5, verse 22, 23. Jesus reaches out to him, helps him to his feet, and the crowd parts as they pass, only crowding around again after they have walked onto the main road. Meanwhile, not far from the road, stands a middle-aged lady. Pain etched on her face, back bent from years of trying to control the bleeding. She desperately wants to, to, to come to Jesus. She's heard that he can heal the sick, the diseased, even the leper. But what about this crowd? She knows that when people approach, she's supposed to call out, unclean, unclean. There's no way this crowd is going to let her anywhere near Jesus. But as the crowd passes, she realises that she does not recognise anyone. They're all strangers. We learn this from Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Gives us an idea of the crowds that pursued Jesus wherever he went. It says this, They came from Judah, 
from Jerusalem, the regions across the Jordan, from Tyre, from Sidon, all over the country. Of course they didn't know who she was. And anyway, they were looking for miracles. Yes, Jesus might have said some amazing things, but they expected miracles to happen. That's why they're there, eagerly crowding around Jesus right now. They're on their way to another miracle. So the lady joins the crowd. Thankfully, the pace is slow enough as she pushes her way past one, then the next. If only I can touch his garment, she says, I will be healed. It tells us of her, the measure of her faith, the measure of her belief. Finally, she is one person away from Jesus. She reaches out. Her bent back makes reaching the hem of, of Jesus' garment that much easier. Suddenly, instantly, she feels wellness throw, flow through her body. She stands still while others push past. No pain, no bleeding. Her back straightens. Her face, her face flushed with warmth. Her eyes see clearly. She is healed and she stands in awe at what has happened. Then suddenly her world stands still. Nothing and no one is moving. She hears a voice. But Lord, all these people crowded around you, anyone could have touched you. And then Jesus says, no, somebody deliberately touched me. For I felt the power, the healing power, go out of me. Who touched me? The lady looked over the shoulder of the person in front of her and found herself making eye contact with Jesus. She trembled. She didn't know whether it was the excitement of healing or the fear of what might happen next. She moved forward and knelt at the feet of Jesus. She began to tell her story, all 12 years of it. How she had run out of doctors, run out of money, run out of friends, and worst of all, family refused to have anything to do with her, and she found herself living in the shelter just out of town. Jairus recognises her. He has seen her out at the shelter. For several years now, every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday afternoon, he has gathered up all the food parcels left at the synagogue by the generous ones, loaded them into the, into the donkey saddlebags and uh, leads the donkeys out of town to the shelter. He places the food on the platform, then leads the, do the donkeys away, stopping to look back at the pitiful sight of the shelter people fighting over the food, and she's one of them. How long did it take? Uh, no, he knew her story. He listened intently as she unraveled it all, to Jesus. How long did that story take? How much longer would it take for her to tell the complete story? 
Jairus began to concern himself with things at home. Almost reaching the point of wanting to interrupt Jesus. Lord, can we go now? Then he hears Jesus say, My daughter. And Jairus hears his name called. He turns. It's somebody from home. Jairus, your daughter has died. Don't bother the teacher any longer. It hits him like a hammer. He feels himself slowly sink to the dirt with grief. Wells up inside. In the pain of loss, he turns to see Jesus looking straight at him. All Jesus says is, fear not, just believe. That's all. Nothing else. Four words. Fear not, just believe. I started out asking a couple of questions. How do you respond when things turn to custard? To put it another way, when we hit the wall with a major setback that steals all hope, what do we do? Learn from Jairus. It's decision time for him. He could have said to Jesus, it's too late, she's dead, and then go home. What happens to the next seven verses of the story? Do we have a story that ends in tragedy? After all, don't bother teaching, don't bother the teacher any longer was the challenge to stop believing in God for healing. But he didn't. Jairus walked with Jesus from the lake all the way home. Despite the interruption, despite the major setback that could have robbed him of all hope, he believed. Here's something to take with you into our new year that's coming around. Jesus knows what negative stuff people will say to you, but he also knows what the circumstances surrounding the event in your life is, are. He knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future. Jesus says to, to Jairus, fear not, just believe. That's why those other seven verses exist, because Jairus believed. We need to ignore people who encourage us to give up on believing in God. Have you experienced that? Don't be struck down with fear. Stand against it. Refuse to accept fear. Refuse to accept the negative comments that people may make to you. Keep on believing in your Saviour. He wants you to. Jairus didn't send Jesus away. Despite everything, Jesus and Jairus walked home. And his daughter lived.
Father, we just thank you for the wonderful privilege of having stories in your word that are true. Real people with real events that occurred in their lives. And they are stories, Lord, that each one of us can learn from. Even though Jairus may, even though the name of Jairus may only appear in Scripture once, yet it is a profound lesson for each one of us as we face the hurdles of life. And Father, we pray that as we all go into this new year that lies ahead of us, that Father, you will lead and guide, that Father, we will listen to your voice, not to the voice of those who might want to speak negativity into our lives, but Father, listen to you. As we face the things that turn life to custard, when we face those difficult moments, when we face the reality that life throws at us, when we lose ones that we love, friends who walk out on us, people who pack, pack their bag and shift to another part of the countryside and we no longer have that relationship. We pray, Father, that you will fill the gaps, that, Father, you will stand there for each one of us. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.